0: the subject (coughs) of the evening talk is spiritual exercises actually yesterday was John's birthday and today it's my birthday and so the staff very kindly made a cake and while for us, <laughs> while eating this cake in the staff dining room, someone asked me what might be a, what, what I was going to speak about this evening, and the first thought which came was to talk on the, the, the sweet things of life, but <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> <So>, uh, <coughs> He's 34 and I'm 39 today, all right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) From one (coughs) particular standpoint or position, we could divide people into three areas. There are those people who their life getting on with the, the day-to-day realities of living and rather unfortunately some two-thirds of the world's people are in the plight of being so um, subjected to social economic hardship that their life has to be one of survival. And there are those people who also have the opportunity for alternative things, other things, but the preoccupation with the material nature and the acquisitive of mind tends to prevent any other kind of looking except one of um, uh, an interest in life, which is um, promoting self-interest or the immediate family or whatever. And life becomes concentrated in that activity. There are those people in this world who have a sense for something different, something other, which is not the familiar grind of everyday life. And those people are likely, according to their particular cultural persuasions to have a belief a religious belief and this religious belief or beliefs gives hope gives a sense of purpose and direction can draw on such qualities of mind of as as love as acceptance as a willingness to live with the sufferings of life. And this is very much related to the particular beliefs that that person or, the, or such people um, have. And generally speaking, this is rather determined by the, the culture which one is brought up in. And so in our, our culture, the primary influence is, of course, the uh, Christian Judaistic. Tradition. Then there are those people who do not find the everyday life in itself fulfilling, who are not particularly such that they lean towards a specific religious belief, and yet who sense vaguely or directly some alternatives to the conditioned mode of living. And this probably applies to most of us, if not all of us, here in this room. And it's not that the second and the third, that is, people with religious beliefs and people who have a sense for something called alternative or spiritual, are in any way in conflict with each other. Both obviously can complement each other, but a difference being within a a spiritual practice or tradition, the emphasis is not not so strong on the belief of the mind. And therefore the, the requirements of the mind, though requiring some belief, one must to some degree or other to be here, believe in oneself to some degree or other, one has to believe to some degree or other in what one is doing, but the belief is hopefully very closely related to one's ordinary everyday experience. Rather than, as is often happens within religious belief, the belief is such that it extends far beyond what is immediate. God. Life after death. The historical figures. Sin, damnation. And no one, though it would be unwise to condemn or dismiss such beliefs, but still it tends to be such that it is largely out of one's sphere of experience or understanding. In coming into a spiritual practice, recognizing that belief is still operating, the emphasis is in another direction. This emphasis, in a way, means, as far as the meditation here is concerned, the actualities of what we are doing here, is such that the the walking and the sitting and all that is gathered around it is a spiritual exercise. And sometimes, and it is not at all unusual, It rather gets reduced to exercise and the element of the spiritual factor gets neglected. And sometimes the emphasis on the exercise becomes so strong in one's mind, either because of external influence or the the immediate group pressure, that the fact of exercise takes priority over the spiritual Factor. What I mean by that is that the spiritual factor includes the deliberate and conscious cultivation of calmness and sensitivity and quiet discipline and the willingness to look at and the interest in what is happening and the reminders to oneself of the necessity for motivation and to understand life, to see the place of love in life and so forth. That that one would call the spiritual factors in a sequence of spiritual exercises. When those factors, spiritual factors, are neglected for one reason or another, exercise can become predominant in one's mind And the exercise, when it becomes very predominant, becomes an intensity of mind. And this intensity of mind is something that some people are either transferring from ordinary, everyday life, as we observe it, that type A, put it in a category, I hate categories, type A type, people. And one transfers that into this, a situation here, bringing intensity into it and in a way repeating history. Or what one brings into the situation is a life which is definitely non-intensive. One puts into it intensity here intensity to become intensity becomes very attractive one identifies very strongly with this and the intensity of sensation and all that is implied in that becomes the primary motivating factor with regard to meditation and the social situation the immediate situation around that can in fact reinforce intensity and if that is reinforced in an exaggerated way we've missed the whole point. (coughs) One of the ways that it gets reinforced is by seeing, rightly or wrongly, models of intensity. We look around us and we see someone who is um, sitting hours and hours on end and walking and they, they, he or she never seems to put a foot wrong. And and one may get have reminders, one has read the stories in the literature and one has reminders from various uh, teachers east and west about the value of intensity itself as a necessary aspect of human development. And so one takes upon oneself this kind of approach, internalizes this kind of approach, and feels that intensity itself has a value unto itself. And I wonder, I wonder. So our practice and our meditations and all that implied with that must cooperate and be very much linked up with these spiritual factors. Sensitivity, mindfulness, awareness of the expression of affection and love, care, concern, the willingness to... Look at the viewing of interest except viewing with interest whatever is occurring all the bring the actual bringing in of the in of that helps to bring and contribute towards a more balanced mind but it reduces meditatively speaking some of the intensity of one's practice and the outer form of what somebody else is doing is not in fact necessarily so an expression of intensity within the meditation. So that when you and I may see someone who uh, um, is communicating a great deal of self-discipline, who's extraordinarily mindful within all the movement and activities, It doesn't mean to say that there is intensity within that activity. It's what actually is going on inside of oneself. How is one viewing one's meditation? What is one bringing into it? To what degree is one open to what is occurring? How relaxed and comfortable does one feel? How much under pressure does one feel? To impress others, to conform to a timetable or whatever it may be (coughs) so in looking at this looking at the the process of meditation meditation if it leads anywhere which is of any use and of validity it must lead to wisdom and understanding It may may take different forms and expressions, but it must, some way or other, actually go in that direction. The making of that, or the contributing factor to that going in that direction, as I mentioned a day or two ago, is the consideration to one's movement of mind. in giving the consideration to movement of mind, we must deal with this in very real terms. And therefore, one of the real terms of that is, what has been the expression of my mind today? That's the awareness factor coming in. How has my mind communicated itself? How has it shown itself in the course of this day? And sometimes we live under a mistaken view and opinion that the simple observation of it of the mind, being aware of what it is doing, is somehow or other a remedy unto itself. And what we very easily forget is that observation is necessary, of course, but so often there are so many other factors inside of ourself, which are neglected. And so wherever there is a dynamic of mind, a, mo- a movement of mind, whether, wherever there is a history of repetition of that style of movement of mind, that repetition of history means for us that we don't have inside of ourselves sufficient resources cultivated to work with that mind. We are neglecting elements and factors in our ordinary everyday life. And as long as we neglect that, our mind, given similar conditions, will produce the same states. So this, mov- this movement of activity means That one inwardly, and part of meditation process in its totality, inwardly is a therapist. In which one is working and exploring one's mind. And sometimes that need, by true necessity, one has to ask oneself, where one is experiencing difficulty, what else do I have to do? and if we are prepared to work and to listen and to and to and to connect with ourselves and and to and to actually give ourselves time and space to ask that giving of time and space means the mind will produce clues indications so the mind itself in the, in our, our our experience of it and in its uh, Uh, Expression often requires more for its welfare than we are giving. And this is particularly important where one experiences, and where one is experiencing here, a certain repetition of a mind state. How else can I work with this? What else can I, can I bring to this? What else can I develop in myself? What are the ways that I can look at it? What's the opposite to what I'm I- the direct opposite to what, am I, I, to what I'm experiencing? How can I bring out in myself the direct opposite to it? What do I have to learn from this? What is it telling me? Do I have to strengthen my motivation? do I have to say to myself, I really have to sit down and look at this carefully? So bringing in factors and questions and and asking of, of oneself and taking a real ongoing interest in is essential. And sometimes if it's something which it has that unpleasant gnawing feeling in one's stomach, there's an anxiety there, a, a, a pain there, a, something that, that does, doesn't fade away. Then one has to give and find what, make, what brings affection to oneself. What does one like? What does one appreciate? And begin to direct that in a friendly way to that area of, of pain or discomfort. So in other words, we're saying, yes, there is observation and and awareness, that is, of course, necessary. Sometimes that's completely appropriate for a certain kind of mind state, we have to see for ourselves, but sometimes more is necessary and to bring that into our practice. And the moment that we begin to bring that into our practice, we may say, that is the therapist within ourselves functioning self-healing program in making that and developing that the meditation further and in developing it deeper really one must be rather single-pointed shall we say towards a, a greater understanding and in that being single-pointed towards a, a greater understanding in one's practice and in one's, one's meditation, the, s- the direction of that is such that there is a particular kind of contrast which takes place. There is the contrast which has just been referred to Activity of mind, in its expression and in its dynamic, and in the, and in a continuing path, one of the actualities of that is that activity begins to reduce itself, and the mind itself gradually and progressively moves towards non-activity. That movement towards non-activity and this is where we get caught with intensity, that movement of non-activity can seem to occur through intensity. Through the the force, the, 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 the will, and the sustained unbroken effort, it does have the impact on one's mind of actually quietening it down. And in a short space of time whatever that short may be in a short space of time in quietening the mind down through the intensity one may feel that's a good state to be in but the mind hasn't organically evolved to that because it hasn't undergone understanding in that depth see what I mean? You bring the mind to a state of stillness, you work, 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 get it to a state of stillness, a slight little change in events, like opening the front door or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) and one's mind is blown away. So the force of mind, the movement towards something when it's accompanied with this kind of intensity is in itself deceptive. One feels one is getting somewhere because it's the sort of place that one wants to get to but actually one isn't getting anywhere Mm -hmm. except into intensity. Some people, of course i go going to now, some people try the other way, drugs, etc, etc. So all ha- nonsense. So, so this is where this self-understanding that a progressive inward journey and all that is implied with that s- must contribute towards understanding as one goes along. That contribution to understanding is, as has been mentioned, taking time to look at mind states more carefully, developing resources and cultivating factors inside of oneself, saying, feeling that's okay to do and working with that, seeing where one is holding and, and tensing up or trying to prove oneself in some way or other. All of that contributes to that deepening, naturally. One of the things which is often isn't appreciated and people are aware, not sufficiently aware of, that sometimes through the sustained effort and through a kind of comfort or pleasurable feeling of purpose generally that can accompany it one actually can go too quick too soon and it's and it's the mind which is determined to get somewhere quickly for all the motivations that that can happen One can get somewhere quickly, one can have a variety of experiences en route, yet have moved the mind much too quickly. And one of the ways that that expresses itself when one's pushed one's mind too quickly can be certainly in agitation and waves of unrest, but another common way is feeling of not being able to communicate. that sometimes in the course of the meditative process when people, good motivation, good intention and interest and so forth, push the mind too hard, it actually brings about the feeling of alienation. The, fe- the feeling that one has nothing to say, nothing to offer, nothing to contribute, etc, etc. And the mind comes to a state where it feels Disassociated from others, from oneself, from life, from meaning, from purpose, etc., etc. And so, when that if and when that kind of experience uh, occurs, and it's not at all un- unusual, and I'm sure many of us here have experienced this, when that, ki- that when that ki- experience occurs, it it needs for for, sh- for sure, as sure, it needs some expression of relaxation. One has to be aware of the condition that one is in. One feels the alienation of it. One feels the lack of life, not wanting to do anything or to communicate or whatever. One sees that and then that there has to be, by necessity really, some kind of opening out. generally the mind in its own way to find and restore its balance in a native way pushes us into that. So our awareness right from any beginning stage or right through uh, uh, early or middle or later periods in, in the evolution of consciousness is one which takes it step by step, takes a genuinely gradual way, and sees in the course of one's practice and development more and more, what can I learn from this? Learning to understand what is taking place. <coughs> With this application of, of following th- things through in a gradual way, being willing to be focus, being willing to take one's time, The degree of movement is reduced, of mind. times of course we touch places inside of ourselves, we experience an upheaval, and it's quite often common that a person may feel that sense of depth coming quite naturally and organically, and within 24 hours, 48 hours is a tremendous commotion of mind. One gets used to this gradually, (laughs) where (laughs) where there's a greater sense of of, of, of depth and quietude quietitude of being and all the, the, the simplicity and the beauty of it and then it seems all hell breaks loose within a couple of days. But in, in fact that is an, um, a healthy, though it's hard to see when one is in the thick of it, that's a healthy part of the process. The, there's the going deep and at that time or in one's sleep, or in a small incident or whatever whatever it may be, there is a kind of discharge. And there is a, a purification, let us say, in the mind which is taking place, that as the meditation deepens, we are making more space in our mind, and in that, things which need to be released, one expression way or another, have that opportunity. And that's part of what's happening here. But also, with this deepening of the the meditation, as I say, there is this gradual reduction in the movement of mind. That gradual reduction in the movement of mind means that the mind which is showing and, and expressing itself no longer seems to be quite so threatening. So the same kind of, or rather similar kind of contents may be appearing, but the reaction to it, the judgment on it, all of that activity is reduced and the mind, as I mentioned before, can't help but deepen its own state of being. What easily occurs too with this, 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 um, lowering or reducing of activity that there are places inside of ourself because of memory, because of what we have heard, because of what we have read, or whatever, in which one is still looking for something more. And to some extent this can still be, at any level of meditative practice, the motivating factor behind what one is doing. And what this looking for something more, no matter how subtle it may be, and how quiet, and actually how imperceptible it may be, the looking for something more waters and affects our perception of the present. It prevents us from having a a, a totally full and clear perception. Because it's never quite enough unto itself and one feels that something else, somehow or other, is going to make a difference. And so our very perception of what's happening in the present is not full because it's being watered down by a comparison. And that comparison may be with something familiar, an old experience, or something completely unknown and abstract which we've just heard or believed in so just as in the ni- initial period of the p- of meditative process there is a wide variety of factors which are useful and as the practice develops and deepens itself those factors become redundant What one starts off with in the meditative journey, one starts to leave behind. It's so different from everyday existence. Everyday life, ordinary mind, conventional mind, cultivate certain factors. Accumulation of knowledge, an important one. Ambition, drive, determination, and and the sustaining of that and some people feel that they can't even slack up for a moment and that leads in a certain direction and we won't go into that tonight. One comes into the meditative process and practice and what we actually bring into it is a refinement basically of those kind of factors well we hope they're refined if they're not good luck <laughs> A refinement of those kind. So instead of striving and struggle and willpower, one brings effort. In, instead, instead of being so goal orientated, one sees that the, that what one is doing is a means towards a fruitful and beneficial end. Instead of just trying to get something, to get somewhere, one gives that more care and attention to the present. But in any of that activity, in the initial period, as people know and experience, a lot of effort's required. It requires a degree of determination. It requires a discipline. It requires a motivating factor of mind, which is leading one on all of that is there but in in that refinement which takes place in the meditative process effort becomes redundant the trying to reach a special goal no matter how abstract it may be or compared to the past becomes redundant the trying to get something out of it becomes redundant and someone's begins to see and sense this refinement which is taking place and this refinement which is taking place is more or less that the the, the, the movement or the evolution of things must begin to go its own direction the times, of course there is a r- when one but at times, of course, there needs to there. One has to renew the effort, renew the discipline, renew the motivation, remu- re- renew those kind of subtle factors. At times too, one sees too much intensity is coming in. One drops the intensity, and whew, mind is straight over into sloth and torpor, <laughs> and it just it does a, 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 as a tremendous capacity to make a, an immediate <laughs> flip. So one begins to see the one extreme, see the other extreme, and see that within that there is this sustained refinement. This refinement in which, which, take, which is taking place, in which there is just quiet, mindful um, uh, activity, or meditative activity taking place, means that mind's activity this is where it gets more important mind activity reduces and therefore the variety of mind experience reduces considerably but still in the background of one's mind there is still the feeling of more One may know and apprehend, intuitively speaking, that just a quiet mind, a still mind, a non-active mind, is not enough. And what one looks for in that quietness is something more to that quietness, in some way or other. Something that's going to affect that particular mind. So sometimes, in the course of the meditative journey or in the course of one's daily life, the mind may experience something quite different, original, um, dramatic, exciting. One may apply to that a whole sequence of, of concepts and say, well, that must be that because that's what I read in a book and my experience fits that therefore I can now apply this label etc etc and the pursuit and the search of experience itself may create experience if one is really looking for its ex- meditative I- experience one can have it it's really not too difficult so one looks for an upheaval of mind an action of mind to express something, to say something which one can grasp hold of and say, yes, I know, I have seen, I have got it, etc., etc. And there are no shortage of people who are having experience and applying the label and feeling (laughs) comfortable with themselves putting it mildly. But if the meditative journey is actually taking place in a natural and organic way, experience is reduced considerably. All forms of experience, religious experiences and mystical experiences and all those lovely little events which may have occurred in the early stages of one's practice in the mind which is calm and steady and aware and conscious and well balanced and well integrated and harmonious all that which we're saying yes we are gradually hopefully moving towards if all that is occurring in one's practice because of spiritual exercises the chances of you having any special Experience at all come to zero. I'm sorry. <laughs> because the movement of mind comes out of imbalance, it comes out of a lack of integration, it comes out of a holding, it comes out of attention. It comes out of some kind of shake-up. No matter how we put that in the terms of the the human experience of mind, it comes out of movement and spiritual exercise, spiritual practice of contemplative life in a well-integrated human being reduces all movement. And it's hard, seems to be a hard message sometimes for our heart and mind to hear. We want something. And in every other area of life, what we want, we can get if we strive and push and struggle and become sufficiently keen and knowledgeable about, but not understanding. It just doesn't work. It backfires on us time and time again. The mind is powerless in its struggle and striving to come to understanding and clarity. So in coming to a greater refinement of mind, as I say, there's less movement. Not saying there's no movement. There is less movement. Sometimes that actually comes to a state of stillness and non-movement of mind and it's very silent there and very, very deep. And in, and when that mind and our mind integrated and harmonious comes to that, as I say, still there is going to be the ripple to look for something more in some way or other. That ripple is going to be there. It won't feel, no matter how still it is, it will never feel to be enough such a phenomenon our mind is, you can't satisfy the damn thing. <laughs> 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 and so one may become clear and developed and, <coughs> and understand with understanding and love and an integrated human being and may make that pathway that, that and the spiritual exercises and pathway is an internal event often from head to heart. That m- one may make that pathway very, very clear. One may have, because one's mind is cooperative and friendly and relaxed, the capacity to allow the mind to enrich and deepen itself the, the length of the spiritual spectrum. And, all, and one may too have lost the enthusiasm and the appetite for this a new experience, a different experience, etc, etc. But the mind won't, in itself, may come to a great deal of stillness and total stillness. But that stillness or movement will not be enough, and one is in a dilemma then. But if one moves, the mind moves. How oh it's movement of mind, and seeing a thousand movements of mind, and one or another is no different and if the mind isn't moving and one is totally (coughs) familiar with non-movement of mind where one's practice is such that it is truly free from intensity and there's just being and just being present and that being present may be manifesting as sitting and it may be manifesting as walking and manifesting as eating but inwardly it's still and, and clear. One is has come to an integration where the spectrum of human experience between the movements of mind and the non-movements of mind is being uh, incorporated into that awareness. In coming into that awareness, one is coming out of any kind of deceit that that real answer to another order of understanding somehow or other lies in the mind. Because in either the stillness or in the movement, Because of their character, in the meditative experience or in spiritual exercises, they are limited, I hope you can follow, they're limited by each other. And so the spiritual seeker must, generally speaking, if it's not to be a belief system, undergo and develop the practice of knowing the spectrum of mind from movement to non-movement, from stillness to activity. And know that well, know that ground well, know those deserts and those mountains and valleys very well. Know know that space and the silence and the peace and harmony well. And in the knowing that spectrum, clearly one comes to another way of seeing. into another way of seeing, is not defined by one's mind. Such a phenomena our existence is. We begin our practice and our meditation using our mind. We develop our practice, we go through all the ups and downs of our practice, all the hardship and the pain and the confusion and the doubts and we, for all the motivations and reasons, we sustain our practice. We, we don't just rush back into a kind of way of living which is brutal and aggressive We don't just rush back into quickly adopting a set of uh, religious beliefs to help make us feel a bit more comfortable, which has these uh, utopian promises, etc., etc. And one just maintains that working and with the mind and all that is implied in that And though we see that the mind itself and all its dynamics, the feelings, the emotions, the insights, the intuitions, etc, etc, are all to be cultivated. And though we see that there are things to be left behind in our practice, sometimes it's reflection to be left behind, sometimes it's effort, sometimes it's determination, sometimes it's attachment to form, attachment to structure, sometimes it's intensity. And the course of that journey there's so much which is to be left behind and the phenomena of existence is that even one's own mind has to be left. When it's all said and done even the mind itself is not a sufficient tool. Such is a phenomenon. And if one in any way thinks that there's going to be some kind of um, um, event in one's mind which is going to show that to oneself, that there's going to be something that's going to happen one day which is going to say, mind you've transcended yourself. (laughs) Something which is going to make things very very different in one way or one way or another one is still missing the seeing. If one thinks in any way or other that the mind is ever going to be anything else but somewhere along that spectrum between movement and non-movement it's going to be any different one is still blind. our mind can't comprehend this one. Such a riddle it is. So in our spiritual exercises and in the, the rhythm and the flow of our of our day we hopefully become more acutely uh, aware of the events and the actualities of our day. We explore our, our life and our daily life and, the, and our mind. We use the form and the, and the structure but we don't get so attached to the form and structure that the form and structure become a mode for uh, intensity and therefore it just becomes exercises like soldiers on parade you sit now, you walk now, you sit now, you walk now, whatever. And one can get into that. (laughs) One remembers the balancing factor as spiritual factor in relationship and and particularly connected to the exercises, to the meditations and that the, the development and the the combi- combination of the two bring about this more wide or expansive application of our mind and with that there is, the, there is an opening which is taking place and via and, and through that through that opening all is obvious so simple and so utterly non-special and having nothing to do with any kind of event or any kind of experience or any kind of confirmation or any kind of thought or whatever. Something so, so, so simple is revealed eternally. Just as light and colour is obvious to a person with eyes. May beings see into themselves. May beings see into the nature of things. May all beings see.